stand-up comic joke it up one time. Funny. Welcome to Let's Talk About Sets. This is a comedy nerd cast where we explore the science and craft of stand-up comedy as stand-up comics ourselves. I'm Jeff McBride, and with me as always is the boy Blunder, I'm Harrison Tweed. Thank you, sir. <laughs> and our theme today is The Room, and our guest is Norlex Spelma. Hey, what up? All right. So let's just uh, start things off with a bit by Bernie Mac. This is from 1992. It's off of Def Jam, and it's called I Ain't Scared of You Motherfuckers, which sounds so white coming yeah, out. Yeah, I know. Right? I was just about it's to comment, <laughs> but I didn't. <laughs> I was like, God, I can't. I, don't I ain't should... scared of you motherfuckers. Uh, <laughs> I'm just reading that as it's written. Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. <laughs> I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. I'm <laughs> straight off the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no foolishness. And New York, goddamn y'all motherfucking women look good. Y'all like a bacon and egg sandwich look good. But I love sex. I love it. Can't do shit no more. And I'm blessed. <laughs> structure i'm hung I'm low. low if i pull my shit out this whole room get dark <laughs> you don't understand i ain't scared of you motherfuckers <laughs> i love i love sex man i love it by the pound i'd be glad when they put that shit in cans can you imagine sex in cans? Motherfuckers be shoplifting and shit. <laughs> Folks be playing ball, man. Then what you get ready to do, man? I'm time to give me a six pack and put some going in. Kick it! <laughs> you don't understand. <laughs> I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. Women just do anything until you talk to any kind of way you want to talk to somebody. It don't make no motherfucking sense. I'm in a bar minding my business, cool enough, just being cool, like I am, chilling. Woman gonna come to me, think she just asked any goddamn thing she wanna do. She said, Mac, I said, yeah, that's my name. She said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah. She says, does pussy taste like pumpkin pie? <laughs> Made me mad as hell. I said, don't ask me no damn question like that. I ain't never had no pumpkin pie. <laughs> 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 you don't understand. <laughs> I'm tired of this shit. I ain't scared of you, motherfuckers. When you make love to a black woman, I'm gonna tell you how you do it. You got to be good. I'm not talking about myself. Cause you know a fucker ain't number 50 pumps. Count if you ain't got nothing to do. 
<laughs> it ain't number five minutes, but the full play make it seem longer. But you get a woman, black woman, man, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't care how meek that woman is, how soft-spoken she is. If you're giving her the, the dick. dick. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever wrong with you, she gonna let you know. You can have a patch on your eye, your leg can be broke. <laughs> if you get up there, she be like, Woo! <laughs> Shit! You patch eye motherfucker. <laughs> 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 you know you in this motherfucker. Kick it! to a woman and she on top and the phone ring that's some funny shit when she on the phone ring man every time she you know the phone ring 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 you get cool and shit ring baby don't answer ring I, I gotta answer ring oh, baby don't answer ring oh, it, it, might it might be, be a, a job, job. <laughs> <laughs> ring and every time, you know, she pick up the phone and start fiddle-fiddling with, you know. When she pick it up, every time she started to talk, give her the dick. <laughs> She'll be like, hey, hello. What? Oh, what I'm doing? This when you get it. What I'm doing? Nothing. Ooh, nothing. But I love my black peoples. I'm gonna tell you something, but we gotta stop the violence. We gotta vote. Stop the violence and vote. Cause I did a show in Chicago. I mean that. Stop this violence. I was in Chicago, I did a show for Cook County Jail. And you know, over 40% of the brothers in jail for nothing. And they had a little survey, a little panel thing. We got to ask the inmates questions, you know. So I asked the inmate, I said, uh, hey, my brother, what you in for? He said, nothing. <laughs> brothers got this thing about being a punk. What is a punk? I never did understand that for the sake of my life. He said, nothing. That's how long you in for? He said, ever. <laughs> now, you know, it's a long time. You take the four oh, off that, that motherfucker. <laughs> 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 I said, man, I said, so what you here for? I, you know, I ain't no punk. I didn't tell on my boy. I said, what, you in jail for no motherfucker? No, you ain't no punk. <laughs> you a new fool. Because I'd be damned if I serve time for any of you motherfuckers. I'd be in court just like this. <laughs> Judge be like, who are you? I'd be like, punk. <laughs> you know, he killed that motherfucker. Shot him in the head full time, kicked him in the face. I tried to call you, but the line was busy. Uh -huh. <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, God. That's fucking classic, bro. So, yeah. Norlax, why did you pick that bet? I won't say that comedy doesn't get any better than that, but, man, like, to consider... <laughs> Like, that's one of the hardest shows and rooms to do in the country at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, this, like, it's like Bomb Fest 1992 happening before him. And for him to just go up there and light it up like that is amazing. You know, yeah. that's, that's, 
that's one of my favorite sets to watch. I watch that a few times a year. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Okay. That, as we like, you know, the Bill Burr set. There's like certain sets that in comedy. What specifically comedy. about it? Because you, you mentioned it's bomb fests, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Like, it, and, <laughs> and I've heard about it too. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's legendary. You can tell he clearly had a set ready. Mm-hmm. But he watched what happened before him and like changed his game plan. Mm-hmm. But he didn't change it so much that he wasn't doing his set. He just added the, I'm not scared of you motherfuckers and the, you don't, you don't understand. understand and kick ass. Like, or, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and kick it. And like having the music hall on, like with Kid Capri up in the booth. So you can tell that he had a game plan, but he saw what happened. He was willing, able to adjust it and still get his shit off, you know, like, and considering that that is at that moment, you know, outside of Carson, that was probably the biggest make or break thing for standups at that time. And for black stand-ups, it was the only thing. Uh-huh. So for the fact, for him to have, you know, the pair to be like, you know what, I'm going to get my shit off, but I got to make sure this room is right, or I can't let this room come after me. I got to let these motherfuckers know I ain't scared of them about eight times. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. So that's one of the reasons why I love that set. Love it. That brings us to the topic, the theme. Yeah. So the room. When we talk about the room, we mean a number of different things. When you're talking about the room, in this case, you're talking about almost like the feeling in the air. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's energy. Yeah, it is. It's energy. And it's also like the momentum of that yeah. of that energy. From what I understand, it was like down. Like they hated everybody. Mm-hmm. And they were, from what I understand, they are enjoying hating everybody yeah, and yeah. ruining people's sets on purpose. Right. Well, that's kind of what the Apollo was famous for. Mm-hmm. It's like if you didn't get them, I think a lot of black rooms get treated the way like that initial thing from the Apollo came because uh-huh. he always the trope was if you didn't get him in that first thirty to forty five seconds, it was over for you. You mean comics yeah. uh, seem to apply that to every black room? Is that yeah? What you're just... I think, oh, I, think yeah. I think comics tend to to put that on every black crowd. Sometimes it's a black crowd, not necessarily in a black room, if you get what I mean. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Wait, let's let's define that. Yeah, so you can have, for example, like like what the Uptown Comedy used to be, right? Like that was a black club, right? It's a black room. Yeah. Well, if you're in Atlanta, Uptown is a black room. It's a black club. Uh-huh. Or you could, for example, have a show like D-Ray. Uh-huh. If D-Ray's headlining Caroline's, Caroline's is in a black room, but that's a black show. Black audience. You see uh-huh. what I'm saying? Yeah, like, yeah, 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 totally. Like there, there is a, like a slight difference to that. Totally, you know, like, yeah. Like black rooms is a different business, you know. Uh-huh. So it's a different like energy that they're expecting on a night in, night out basis. What are they expecting? I just say this is just my personal opinion. I don't want to speak for yeah. all black comics yeah. and like all their experience in like in different types of rooms. Yeah, actually, um, I'm sorry. That's you're here to do yeah. that to so speak 100 <laughs> oh. percent on behalf of everybody. This is everybody. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah. That. Yeah. I didn't know tokenism was a part of the podcast. Yeah. You should have told me that beforehand. Uh, yeah. You should have read the email. Yeah. I mean, I would have asked for another sandwich. <laughs> 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 no, but I, I do. So what was the question again? I'm gonna try to get it. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> so we were saying like I was explaining the difference. I think. Oh, the like expectations. Black, what are yeah, those it's expectations? expectations thing. Yeah. I think people want to know you're funny. Like my experience has been, you know, mainstream crowds will give you more of a chance up front to like mm-hmm. to earn their trust. You have the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh huh. I feel like when I'm in a mainstream room, it's like, well, if he's here, he's supposed to be funny. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Where <laughs> Why would they like put him up I'm, here if he's when, not funny? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Where I feel like if I'm in front of a majority black audience or in a black room, it's like. All right, so you better be funny. Or it's like, all right, I'm going to see if you're funny. Uh-huh. Yeah. You think you're funny? All right, let me show you if I think you're funny. You know uh-huh. I mean? yeah. it's Adversarial is a strong word to use, but it's definitely not the most inviting space at all times. But let me tell you something. You crack a black room, you get a group of black people to laugh hard, 
it trumps any other room you're going. <laughs> yeah. oh, uh, you talk to any black comic, <laughs> totally. about, any comic who's done black percent. and white rooms, if you make a black room blow up, uh-huh. yeah. oh, it feels yeah. way different oh, than yeah. the hardest crushing the biggest mainstream room, period. For sure. That, and once again, that's my experience. I've done mochas, and yeah. uh, the first time I did it, I, thought <laughs> I had a whole bunch of material because I used to be married, my wife yeah, yeah. was black, so I had a lot of stuff about that experience, going to like a black family reunion, yeah. and being, you know, 250 black people and me, this guy this <laughs> and like and that shit they loved it they yeah. loved it it was it felt so good i walked out of there so happy and then i went and i was like i'm gonna do my other stuff now mm-hmm. i went back and they played me off and this guy came up to me and he was just and he was just like he's like what the fuck were you thinking yeah dude. and, and he, he just yeah. He just told me he was just like you. They got they got to know that you understand at least on some level them. Yep. You got to come in here and talk about your dumb robot bullshit. Yep. Like- <laughs> so, so, so two things. There's in some ways there's almost nothing more not impressive, but I love watching when a white comic destroys in a black room or at a black show. Yeah. It is great because it's, it's usually an understanding thing. It's like there's a reason why Gary Owen crushes. If you go to a Gary yeah. Owen club show, it's mostly black people in the audience. Yeah. It's overwhelming majority black people in the audience. I don't know who Gary Owen is. Okay, that's fine. So Gary Owen is a white dude. Um, he was in the Navy, started stand-up kind of like, almost like similar story to Sinbad, where like his shipmates and all that were like, oh my God, you're so good, you yeah. should do this. And then he entered a few competitions and performed for the ship and won and stuff like that and then mm-hmm. pursued stand-up. And he has a black wife. Okay. But like Gary Owen's one of those like, White dudes who may not be from an urban area, but like grew up in a certain socioeconomic kind of upbringing. So has like a certain like twang to him, certain type of talk to him, Uh carries himself in a certain way that I believe, I don't know if it's necessarily forced, but it's definitely made him a little more appealing to the black community. There's a reason why the black community goes for him over like a Mark Norman. I mean, they're both white dudes, but like one comes from a certain type of cloth. You know what I'm saying? Got it, yeah. got it, got it. I feel yeah. like unapologetically themselves yeah. type of white people exactly. tend to do white comics and tend to do much get better because it's off. just like they want you to be on the surface. If they can tell that you don't say nah I'm saying and you start saying nah I'm saying, that's gonna be a well, problem. And the, I the thing I use that in particular because I've seen that that exact line. I've seen two different white male comedians in two different parts of the country be on some, nah, I mean, nah, yeah. I'm saying. So you well, don't talk like that. I think, yeah. there's like, I think there's like two things going on there. There's one, there's posing, obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. right? Yeah. And the other thing is, it's pandering, posing, yeah. whatever word you want to use for it, yeah. totally. I think the other thing that might be happening is just how you naturally, when you are hanging out with people, with that, you, yeah. p- you pick up the way that people talk a little bit. Yeah. We just naturally mimic each other. Um, I like even like I was just talking to a friend of mine yesterday. She's French. And then I was in, in my head. I had a French accent yeah, all day that. long. So I think so. It, it's part of that. But but that posing thing. Yeah. Oh, so gross. It's, it's gross. It's I gross. think for me, whenever I'm in a black room, I'm more uh, what will happen is I'll become more uh North Carolina, whereas like my, I'll just like, I'll let my draw come out a little more. And I didn't realize I was holding it up. Like until I'll go to a black room and be like, damn, I'm just like, like really trying to like hit my consonants with a lot of these like alt rooms. And then I'm like, but then I could just be like, fuck y'all. You know, it's just like nice. I feel feel like there's at times I have to code switch going back and forth between like mainstream and black rooms. So I I, I get, let's let's talk about that. I love, I'd love to talk about, 
code switching yeah. or, or, or whatever you want to call it. Is that, yeah. is that the term Yeah, code switching is like the official term, just like, you know, Dan Savage coded pegging, but yeah. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Code switching is the word, yeah. Okay, so that's part of assessing a room, right? Um, I, 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 I don't want to say that it's a part of assessing the room as much as it is a reaction that happens after you've assessed the room. Mm. Okay. I'm saying like, like, for me, when I'm on stage... And if it's more black people, there's certain words that there's no, there's a higher probability I'm going to say more. So I'm going to say nigga way more. I'm going to say it like just that way. If I'm, but when I crowd work people, I call them niggas. I don't care if they're white or black. If it's one white person in a room full of black people, I'm definitely calling you nigga. Uh-huh. I'm saying <laughs> if it's like one black person in a room full of white people, I'm calling you that too. But I might call Larry a nigga too because... I don't give a fuck. I like watching people get a little uncomfortable with that. But I, I do know that I do do that. It's, it's, it's a language thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So there's certain key phrases, certain even intonations or certain, like, ways of ending sentences that just go over a little different when you're in front of what I call the folks than when you're in front of white people, you know, yeah. like a main, quote-unquote mainstream audience. Okay, got it. So there's the structure of the room. There's the demographic of the room, yeah, yeah. right? And then there, and there's the... the I don't know the energy of the room, like where we are in the lineup and how things yeah. are going. So those are those are I think those are the three things we mean by. Oh yeah, and then also there's the kind of room. Is it alt? Is it yeah. you know? Is it a? Uh, is it club? Is it? I mean, there's a difference between like yeah. There's yeah. there's venue, club, alt, bar. Yeah. This is not by any means like I this I'm not right. This is my evaluation mm-hmm. of these. Okay, so a comedy club, uh, it's a high energy potentially less savvy but still very fun and engaged so they'll they'll connect with you but they might uh like certain reference points might uh not go over okay material that will work dating observational punching up punching down sex isn't this person stupid or that thing stupid you know like like that's fucking ridiculous that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff um material that won't work and again these are not the this is not the rule this is just kind of like a kind of basic guideline so this is material that will work and won't work in a club room yes in a club room that's what okay Mm -hmm. yeah that won't work political super referential like very specific like uh like I guess when I mean like Patton Oswalt has a lot of I those, know, you know, exactly you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, overly opinionated, judgmental elitism. Though those I've noticed do not go over well, unless mm-hmm. it's like that's what they're there for. What What do you mean? For example, like oh, for like so, what you're saying for would also sh- mean that like you know like Lewis Black wouldn't work in clubs. Oh yeah, yeah. But obviously, we know he works in clubs. Totally, so totally. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh, like if you're there to see Lewis. Yeah. So I think what you're talking about is showcase-based club comedy, where it's uh-huh. eight, yeah, eight comics, yeah, yeah. A, a wide variety. You may be there to see somebody, but yeah. there's not a specific. Maybe barked in on like uh, like in Times Square for mm-hmm. a Broadway mm-hmm. show type of club. That's what I, you I mean. guess. That's what I mean by yep. that. Uh, alt room, uh, uh, attentive audience, very plugged in into, into metropolitan lifestyle. Left-leaning, ultra-white, and well-to-do. Very smart, but also very judgmental. That's this is based on my um, um, uh, situations. Um, material that will work. Pol- <laughs> this is based on my situations. Material that will work. Political, unless gray area political perspective, where it's not like kind of like an obvious left-leaning mm-hmm. progressive angle. Um, light observational. Performance art style stand up 
characters self uh, it's a self deprivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, you got to go without water for like five or six <laughs> just, days. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can just have as little charisma as you need to yep. get up. You want to barely be able to move because you're so hungry. Yeah, <laughs> uh, material that won't work. Confident sex and dating material, like very like you know when you're fucking like that kind of like if it. Yeah, I strongly disagree with that. I feel oh, like yeah. I've seen, especially in New York, I've seen so many comics do very sexually explicit jokes in alt rooms or in bar shows and they go very well. What do I consider an alt room? Um, Maybe I'm thinking Lots of, of hipsters? Woke. Maybe yeah. I'm thinking well, of woke so, comedy rooms. Yeah, so uh, an alt room is usually, you know, like low 40s to like mid 20s, white, mm-hmm. college educated. Um, Handlebar mustache. Crap. Yeah, I mean, that and like flannels and, you know. You know, Crocs in February, shit like there's that. There's like a there's a bike rack full of unicycles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? A bottom barely try out. But um yeah, so I, I would define it as that. So the other so So just young people younger. Now, in you a said bar smart, watching and like I won't say I took I took issue with that. Mm-hmm. That's definitely something that has been a frustration as a black comic hearing when people describe rooms that are clearly they're meaning to say white. And then, then describing like what they, you know, what the industry now labels as urban. Uh, but you yeah. never hear somebody refer to an urban crowd as smart, but you always hear these alt crowds and these club crowds being referred to as smart. Yeah. So are you saying that black people who are comedy fans just because they didn't go to Caroline's aren't totally. smart? I mean, like, yeah. So that's something that I'm not coming at you about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That in terms of comedy jargon and lingo, like it's a lot deeper than just the words that we use. You know what I'm saying? But when people say smart, they usually it's like some form of like what you think of people's intelligence or their educational background. I know a lot of hood motherfuckers that are smarter than people. Right. Yeah. Right. Smarter than friends of mine with masters. And it's not just a street smarts thing. It's like a real. Like they might be more informed. They might have better information retention. So that that's something that's that can be a loaded term at times when it totally. comes to describing you comedy. Can, and and right. And you can know. Everything about intersectionalism and gender yeah, theory, yeah. Um, and and still not be able to make the incredible connections and use the, and, and design the metaphors yeah. that somebody who doesn't know anything about yeah. that might might and and, and that's well, a different kind of intelligence. That's something that I'm very very conscious of, and especially as a black male comedian doing mainstream and black, but I do a lot of mainstream. That's yeah. something that I'm very conscious of because I have to be able to make sure my shit gets off here, yeah. but make sure my shit gets off here too, like when I'm talking to my folks. You know what I mean? But just to be clear, mm-hmm. when we're talking about alt, what I'm referring to is uh, maybe like a more uh, all <laughs> saying maybe I mean alternative lifestyle audience. Yeah, does so that make sense? That, that's a completely different game because like yeah, when people say nice. alt, I think the first thing that comes to people's mind is like just a bar show, to a really. certain extent, like you know, like dancing Jermaine or like yeah, you know, Patton. There's like a certain mm-hmm. it has a certain nineties alt it that it feels like you know. And, and is and it that fair to say nineties alt? The guys who like came up with the original alt comedy that like then Marin. was subsumed and consumed by mainstream, yeah, right? Yeah. You would never say Eugene Patton. Merman. Eugene is huge on it. Yeah, exactly. You would never say those people aren't mainstream now. They're yeah. so mainstream. Yeah, yeah. But you're, that's one meaning of the word alt, an yeah. alt room is is that kind of comedy. Well, we've also, that I understand. We've that also seen like a shift in like what an alt comedian is, which yes. it used to be like an alternative. It used to mean what it meant, yes. which it, is an alternative way to perform stand-up exactly. comedy. You weren't doing straight setup, punch, setup, punch. Totally. And now yeah. that it kind of is... But now it's become a, it's, it's like a whole vibe and style. I feel like it's mailing in throwaway Seinfeld jokes a lot of times. <laughs> what? Uh, like, well, it's like, well, it's like, it's like an observational joke done like 
Yeah. Am I doing stand up? I don't care so, that I'm doing stand up. Alright, so when I when I think of alt, yeah, I think of people doing uh non traditional premises. Uh huh. As well as like non traditional stand up performance. Which I really like. Yes. Yeah, it was which, I, which I can dig too. So yeah. I'll give you an example. And this is a friend this is a friend of ours, and I hope that at some point if she hasn't been on here that you do get her on yeah. here. Perfect example is Melissa Diaz. Oh, yeah. Melissa, like, yeah. She's, she's been great. on here already? She's great. No. Okay. Melissa Diaz is a perfect example of that, mm-hmm. right? Because it's like, if you see her, she has set up punch, set up punch. But, like, her performance style is kind of unique. You know, she has, like, a different energy on stage. Mm-hmm. And then the structure of her jokes isn't exactly set up punch as much as it comes off as. Because she's just yeah. a good writer and performer. She's able to get it off in that way. But when I see Melissa, I think of alt comedy because huh. her premises are like all over the place. Her premises are huge. You're yeah. like super out of this world. You know, her joke about, you know, fish don't know what fishing is makes me laugh every single uh. time. Like, so that's not your standard club joke. Yeah. And I've watched her do that in clubs and I've watched her do that in a quote unquote alt venue or alt setting uh-huh. and seen it going over and crush both times. Okay. So well, the, I think so defining it is what's really important. The last, uh, then the last thing you have on here is, <laughs> yeah, is black, black circuit, circuit rooms, black circuit yeah. high energy, open heckle, very fun, very non-judgmental, friendly crowd, but but hostile if comic. What do you mean non-judgmental? Black crowds are the most judgmental crowds. They well, I, ever seen. I don't. It may be different for you. Oh yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. What do you mean? When I mean as like I feel like I can be myself and not. Feel, I can, I don't feel threatened if the crowd doesn't agree with my premise up the jump. I, I get a look like, oh, really? Go on. Yeah. But I don't ever feel like, well, I can't. Well, because you're coming from outside the culture, right? So like yeah, you're, you're getting a different shot. People are willing, I believe, uh-huh. like for you, because, you know, like when white males in particular get on stage in, in yeah. black rooms, it's like, okay, now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Is he going to come with it? Because we're going to let you rock for a second. Yeah, yeah. But the second you're not, it's like, oh, and you white? Get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> so I do, yeah. feel like, I do feel like the, huh. I, like when they first see you, I, I, I think white male comedians get a little bit more of a grace up front. Yeah. Because they know that you're the other. That yeah. is they know that fascinating. You're the other, you know? So I, I, I do think you get that. I think white women comedians, I feel like black crowds are usually are looking to turn on them. But usually what I've seen mm-hmm. is when white women comedians start talking about sex, like when white women comedians get ratchet, yeah. black crowds eat that up. Oh, yeah. I oh, my God. That. When yeah, white yeah. women get ratchet in front of a black crowd, oh, they're with it. Uh-huh. I've seen that. Well, I've seen it in PA. I've seen it in Atlanta. I've seen it here. Yeah. I've seen it in yeah, three decent markets, yeah. and I've seen that a few times. Oh, man. There's white privilege all over yeah. this paper. I do, I do kind of want to. I yeah, didn't see my privilege is writing all over this paper. Jeez. Yeah, if we have more time, I'd want to get into the, some of the comedy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd yeah, love yeah, to yeah. keep. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we've just defined the three, I guess, major mm-hmm. kinds of rooms. Mm-hmm. You got your club, you got your alt, and then you have black circuit, right? Yeah. The, uh, the one other thing I want, I know, yeah. the, one other thing I, because I, I, I had mentioned it, is like venue, right? So that there's like, there's, there's sometimes, because it's not necessarily, there's no energy to the room because it's not somewhere they do stand-up as often. Yeah. So it's like, this is just like a venue show, and those have their own vibes because you get a lot more non-comedy, hardcore fans who come out to things at those type of venues, and that's that's a paradigm shift in and of itself. So oh, I would okay. say that would be like 
the fourth thing to add. You Venue know, like, being so like for example, Rockwood. Like, yeah, yeah, Rockwood. Or, oh no, more so like a Soho Playhouse if you're here in New York. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. Or like um, they had a or like the draft like house. Performance. If they had a one man show last night about a guy who's still crying about his dog seven years ago. Oh yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> now and then they have a stand up show. So for those night. of you obviously comedy fans, the Soho Playhouse is where um, Hannah Gatsby was doing the net. That's where James A. Casser is at when he comes to New York. Or like if you're in D.C., there's you know the Draft House. Or if you're in Austin, there's a Vel, um, Velveeta, uh, you know, Velveeta. Is it Velveeta Room or Velvet Room? I'm pretty sure it's Velveeta Room. But every city has a few of those venues that, like, aren't necessarily 100% comedy. Yeah. But, like, do draw decent comedy crowds with certain people, and they have their own energy. Got it. Yeah, so yeah, the cool. other thing we mean when we talk about the room, right, yeah. is the demographic. Uh-huh. Yeah. We've touched on that, that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think it's kind of an interesting thing that... When we walk into a room, there's a couple of things that we can do. We can either bend to what we think the room is mm-hmm. from our assessment, or you can see if we can bend the room to us, yeah. right? Which And it's like, which one are you going to do? And you have to make that judgment call, not only on your own, your own skill and the material that you have in your pocket, but you also have to make that judgment call based off of stereotypes. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird thing. Like, that it's profiling. We, yeah. We yeah. have our, our job in a way is... Is to do what everybody says you shouldn't be doing yeah, is yeah. we get up there and we're like, all right, let's profile based on what I'm going to judge every book in here by its cover. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a weird inverse. Yeah. Uh, that is a weird double dutch to go through, like making the room bend to you or you bending to the room. Mm-hmm. I say for me in particular, it depends on like if and what I'm working on. Sure. You know, so if I have like, if I know I have a road trip coming up and there's like a 15 that I've really been enjoying then I'm a lot less likely to step out of that because like, I'm trying to prepare it in as many you know uh, opportunities and venues as possible. So you make this call based on the yeah. stakes for you? Uh, at times. Okay. Now, so there's been times where I walk into rooms and there's stuff that I'm working on, but the room is fucking romper room at the time. Like It's like walking into Discovery Zone or Chuck E. Cheese. So I'm just like, you know what? I'm not working on this right now. I need to like corral this room. So yeah. I'm going to go with things that I know like work, 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 a crowd work up front. Hit the guy who's the main problem, punch him in the face verbally, and hit him with these jokes <laughs> that I know a lock, stock, barrel, get the fuck out of there, wipe uh-huh. sweat, and go get a drink or something like that. Uh-huh. So there, it, it does it does vary. I, What's your system when you walk into uh, a room? Um, I'm very unapologetic about this. Uh, when I walk into rooms, I'm standing in the back of the room. If I can, as many people as I can see, I do like a eight, like visually, I do like an age breakdown, uh-huh. I do a race breakdown, and then I do a sex breakdown. Oh, damn. Yeah. Every single time. When I walk into a room, and it's usually, I didn't do it the right way. It's usually race, age, sex. Uh-huh. That's the first things that I do when I walk into a room. And what does that do Because then it, it, sometimes it changes my joke selection. Okay. You know, yeah. So, like, let's say I'm not working on anything in particular, but I'm trying to cobble together different combos. You know, it's just like anything else, you know? Yeah. Um, I may walk in and be like, well, for example, you've heard, I have a joke um, that I use the word nigga bitch and I use the word cunt. It's like a very explicit joke. Yeah. I'm a lot more likely to like close on that joke or do that joke in the extended version of it when there's more men in the room than women because it's, it's abrasive. Right. Like, and I know that. Hmm. You know, so if I'm talking, so and you if, and you and the stereotype here is that that men are going to be a little bit more men, recept- receptive to that. Yeah, I think right. men are going to go for that because like I'm I'm banking more so on women because like women, especially white women, have a weird relationship with the word cunt. 
So like I can say that word and individually watch the individual women like shut off, and then yeah. other women are like, "All right, cool, yeah, I'm with it." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Depends on how drunk the crowd is as well, you know. Yeah. It's, it, um, it depends on how big of a cunt they are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say mom. First off, and then secondly, uh, no, Alexis' all, mom jokes, jokes, club, jokes. All the club bookers in in New York are women, so I didn't say that either. <laughs> 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 that, that's 100 fact. Outside of like one club. Oh yeah, it does. If you like if that. you think about it, yeah, all yeah. the club bookers are women. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Harrison, uh, you shouldn't have said yeah. that. But you know they're not cunts. Yeah, they are, they are sweet not cunts. Ladies with an well, eye for yeah. talent. I mean, there's one, but yeah. So, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but all right, so that's why I do. I usually walk in, but okay. For example, I have a joke that I do, but like my goddaughter. Now that's a chunk that, as you know, like I've been working, working on. But I know if I'm thinking about doing it, there's a lot of women in the room. Mm-hmm. I know that that joke may go over a little better because that's a little more sympathetic. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm, not, I'm not trying to say like all women feel this way, all women don't feel this way. Yeah. But I have, you know, probabilities, hundreds, if not thousands of hours of experience. And like, I know what I'm talking about, at least through my own lens, you know. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Uh, so that's usually like on the that's on the man woman side. Right. And then on the age side. That just more so lets me know what references to swap in and out, you know. So if I see more older people in the crowd, then I, I could say like a, oh yeah, we don't care about that. Just like we didn't care about you know Ted Kennedy drowning that woman at Chappaquiddick. People over forty are more likely to get that than a room full of twenty and thirty year olds, you know. So like that's one of the reasons why I do that. Certain references that I'll make, and these are a cultural, black or white. These are just you know either pop culture or yeah. news will go over a little better depending on the crowd. So, so uh-huh. age me, is reference. Yeah. So me me making a little Yachty reference is going to work for people more so under 30 uh-huh. than over 30. I would argue more so under 25 than, yeah. than over 25. Yeah, you just lost me. Yeah, exactly. So, so, like, <laughs> so there's, you know, it's the same thing with like movie references, you mm-hmm. know, like, like, so that's one thing like white male, white comedians tend to do a lot of is like, like this scene in this movie or looking yeah. like this guy that's in that so movie, gone. right? Yeah, like, yeah, totally. like they do that a lot, a lot. But you also know your age groups. You wouldn't say certain movies. You wouldn't do it as much about movies that came out in the 70s and 80s if you're performing in front of a bunch of 30-year-olds. Mm-hmm. But if you got a bunch of 40- and 50-year-olds in there, oh, you can do Breakfast Club. You can do everything and just quote the fuck out of all of it and totally. make that your set, you know? Uh, and then what was the other one? Race race is actually kind of like a meld of both of those things. I just know, uh-huh. you know, it's like we were getting to before, kind of like sometimes it's code switching. Uh, sometimes it's also like a community reference type thing. So, For sure. like, if I'm in a black crowd, or if, if I have black people, enough black people in the room, and I said a certain thing and it hit, yeah. I have a few stock things that I can do. So, I sometimes I do like this. Um, oh, I got black people in here. We about to take them to church real quick. And like, black people know the second one black person says God is good, the response is always all the time. Uh-huh. So then I'm like, all the time, God is good. And I go, won't He do it? And black people, yes, He will. <laughs> You know, so like I'm not as prone to do that in a in an all white or mostly white room yeah. as I am to do that when it's like a little more down the middle or if it's all black. Mm-hmm. If I do that in an all black room, I feel like a reverend in Mississippi. What about what about <laughs> what about <laughs> and it just the rest of it's a sermon. Oh yeah, you know, I've got, got the sweat cloth on stage. What is the doing? name of the book? Tell oh, me the name God. of the book. Oh, I'm quoting scripture from the book of Luke, chapter 23, verse 34. Upon the cross, Jesus looked on to the heavens. I know my shit dude but yeah go ahead so, okay so so what about it what about a, a more mixed crowd like we get in oh, new york all the time let's go for it man like uh one good example is like my caroline's headline set and it's also one of the reasons why i love performing in new york below 14th street because it's such like a cornucopia of colors i just love like mm-hmm. getting people from all over the world all over the country um 
that's where I've liked like testing my metals. Like, all right, what can I hit that works for everybody? Yeah. You know, and sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes you're gonna get that random group of Brazilians. So not gonna get all these American or all these English references. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I got shit about Portuguese from like walk, walking around and being in New York for all these years. You uh-huh. know, so um, I don't know if that answered the the, the last portion of the question. I I think it did. I mean, yeah. I'm basically saying like, okay, but we were sort of splitting oh, it into yeah. two different into into black and white. But like, there's uh, I I rem- I think there are other races. You beat me to the punch. You beat me to the punch. Because what I wanted to say is usually I mean black, I mean black and Latino. That's usually what I mean. Uh-huh. Uh, when I'm in like mixed mixed crowds, then I start taking shots because we all here. Yeah. And so if I see Asian people, you know, I've got lines for you. Yeah. If yeah. I see some Indian people, I might call somebody IT. You know, like you know, you you got lines. You yeah. can have lines for everybody. I've said this before in another uh-huh. thing. But like literally for me in stand up, anybody can get it. Like it doesn't matter to you. like. Yeah. If you in the room, then you paid for the experience. Ride the ride, dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, like like it doesn't matter. So in a in a room that's like very very mixed. I tend to pull less punches because I know somebody's going to be with me. And it's like, if you wasn't with it, but you saw enough people, you're like, you know what? Oh, yeah, I dug that. Okay, okay, okay. Saying certain things in a white room is not going to go over the same way. If you say it in like a mixed, mixed room, people be like, oh, oh, but they're cool with it. Okay, I get it. Oh, oh, it, it is okay. Oh, duh. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, I know, you know, sign, cosine, tangent isn't Mandarin slang, but like, I get what he did there, and like the four Asian people are laughing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They're like anchor people. Yeah. They're anchor you know, audience. Essentially, yeah. And it helps the other audience. Or they can also be your lifeline if it bombs with everyone yep. else. Be yep. like, well, the people, like, I, I, I had some bit, it was this Spider Man bit that you know, and he ends up freeing the slaves is the end of the oh, Okay, yeah. But. The, uh, it was this like shitty bar show, and there's this uh, this black couple laughing, and everyone else was white, and they were like smiling, but like looked uncomfortable. I was like, "Well, the only people that I need not to be offended by that joke aren't." So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay that you are. It means Shit like nothing. that works. I've had yeah. weird sets where like the only black couples in the back of the room. I was like, you know, Rosa fought for a reason, right? <laughs> like, it's, like, it, I've had that save a set before. Yeah, you know, you know what I'm saying like I told <laughs> there was this uh, Korean couple, and I was just like fucking with them. Yeah, I was like, damn. Damn, so like your purse is huge. I know you're still walking around with TI-83 calculators. And like it fucking blew up. But like I just needed to go. Yeah. It's not going to work if I'm talking to a white woman with a big purse. Uh-huh. But, you know, like an Asian woman with a big purse, people get it immediately. So sometimes you're able to use the mixedness of the room or the diversity in the room yeah. to your benefit. Well, That's what it should be at all times anyway. One time I was at the Grizzly Pair in a comic that we've referenced on the podcast, a really great comic in New York, who opened for you during your uh, Caroline set, uh, Jaddy Robinson. Oh, Jaddy, that's a homie, yeah. We were at uh, the Pair, the Grizzly Pair, which is this like kind of like clubish bar. Yeah, it's a club now. Club yeah, now. Yeah. Um, and there was uh, the audience, it was, a, it was a pretty big audience, but there was only uh, two black people and there was a couple and they were older and Jaddy just came up in his opener and was like, my parents are here. Man. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, dad. And he just like, was just so, so sincere about it. It was. And that's, like, that's why I love it. Another thing, like, so it's funny because Jody and I talk about like black yeah. white all the time. Well, one thing that I like to do is like, if there's like about eight, you know, six, let's say it's 50 people in the room yeah. and like six of them are black. And, like, they're all sitting on one side, like, together. Like, I'll get on stage and be like, what up, black people? But I'll hit them with the Wakanda forever crossed arms. So that immediately sets a tone. Because, like, I'm unapologetically black on stage. I'm letting you know up front. Like, I'm acknowledging my people. Uh 
now we back into this shit. Now I'm about to start hitting all you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. So sometimes you're just able to use the diversity of a do room. Do you do that, really? That, yeah. I love that. About, yeah, yeah. I, it's I, really... I don't, dude. I'm, I don't hold back. Though. Yeah, I love right. your ride. <laughs> yeah, but uh, there's two black people. Right, we about to go on a ride. You guys are down for the ride? Too. Yeah, Let's yeah. Go for it. Dude, yeah. that thing you did on Tuesday, um, where there were those three bros in the front oh, yeah. of, the sh- of late night romp. <laughs> yeah. So I asked him a question. I asked him something about like they why were, we're here. They whatever. were douchey. Yeah, they were a little way. douchey. Maybe a little drunk. Maybe uh-huh. a little like bit. college students. Yeah, they they seem like you know seniors at NYU who yeah. just turned twenty one uh, over the summer. Okay, so it's like yeah. their first year drinking in New York City, mm-hmm. which is everybody went to the stumble. That's in. height douchebag in New York. Yeah, yeah. People who've been in New York for three years and now they can drink legally. That's height peak douchebag. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was one of them, so I know. So this one. <laughs> um, we're, we're fucking with this group. I ended up opening the show by accident, but it's fine. So we're, we're fucking with the show. Yeah, and um. I asked one of them a question, and he goes, this fucking guy, like in that super white thing. <laughs> so I immediately was like, yo, I feel like this fucking guy is like this nigga here for white people. <laughs> so, so I just good. ripped for like 45 seconds. It was just kept so going, good. Just kept going back kept to going. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, but this the thing, fucking guy. Yeah, it's like, oh, look at this fucking guy. It's like, <laughs> uh, whatever. I can't remember the riff. I have it on recording, but yeah, I just like kept going back to the riff but there was black people in the room yeah. like they understood yep. but like all the that's one of those things this is why you know I love my stand up but that's one of those things yeah. like white and black people understand the weight of the phrase this nigga here even if you can't use it yeah, yeah. so like juxtaposing it against this fucking guy yep. it's like it's, it's the same exact energy it means essentially the same thing yeah. was that was, was that rift oh that was all rift oh that was it all felt rift. like yeah, it yeah. and it was yeah. it, it like, was explosive I have, a, I have a train about the phrase this nigga here I have a train about that but uh-huh. I didn't go into that train in that rift I was just train like, 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 just a train a, of thought a, you've been thinking about yeah, or so an have, actual no, have, bit you're no so I have a premise I have like a whole joke oh, arc, okay. right and there's a chunk of it about the phrase this nigga here. So I, I call that like a train, like a train of, I don't know, like essentially tags and punches. It's not the bit, it's not the premise, but it's a portion of it. Uh huh. You know? So like yeah. a train car in the middle of a. Exactly. Like, so it's yeah. like this. So th- this just keeps going bang, 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 bang. bang. Yeah. Then I go into like this part of the joke, and this is bang, 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 bang. Uh huh. This might have a few more cars than the other one, and in and out. Got it. But yeah, so that th- that was all riff that night though. I want to talk about the structure, like the physical structure oh, that shit of me crazy how sometimes. a room is. What's up? I want you to talk about Brick Spot and like the what it okay. looked like before you changed. Sure, sure, it. sure. So I think that falls into what you're talking about. Yeah, we're about to do an official launch. There's something that I've been working on for a while, and I've been working on it with a group of comedians who are. Uh, they have done so much. Um, Alex Carbanos. Alex Carbanos is the Carbanos. guy. He's a savage. He yeah. is. He's he is. Good. He's the owner, co-owner of the restaurant that it's in. Harrison Tweed here. Patrick Holbert. Teresa Sheffield. Michael Svetich. Chris, Tristan Smith is my primary partner on it. Alex let us come in there and renovate that back space and turn it into a space that's that's conducive conducive to stand up mm-hmm. um and it's to the best of our ability and there's lots of design things about that but it's called brick spot comedy and norlix has done it oh, i love that room i've done it quite a few times harrison has so. done it lots uh yeah. it's about ready so brickspotcomedy.com take yeah. it check it out yeah i love the way you guys set it up as opposed to the way it was set up though 
do. Yes. It. That's so, what, yeah, that's what I wanted so you the, to talk about. So this is the structure of, I, I'm obsessed with the structure of a room yeah. and the little tiny psychological things that, that happen when somebody walks in a room and they sit in a room and they're ready to laugh and the little things that you can do to make that pop. So mm-hmm. uh, the way it was structured before was uh, there's a, you walk in, it's behind, you go, you go through this little curtain and then you're in this back sort of storage area, big, huge storage area. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the next room is the kitchen. And they, and so they had the stage up against the kitchen wall. wall. Yeah. awful. Hey there, I want to make sure something comes through in this conversation. The room was the way that it was, not because someone was trying to create a killer comedy space and then failing miserably at that. Rather, it was just a room, like so many others out there, where a venue owner is nice enough to allow comedians to come in and provide some audio equipment and let us do some shows. That's all it was. And plus, Alex Carabano is a great comedian in his own right. He's booked a lot and he's super busy because he and his brother Danny co-own and co-run two great restaurants, one in Manhattan and one in Brooklyn, the V-Spot. We came in there and we were like, hey, let us turn this into a space that's conducive to comedy. And they were generous enough and welcoming enough to say, yes, let's do that. And so I want everybody to to get that (laughs) this is just it was just a happy circumstance and it was never even on their radar to turn it into what it is. So anyway, back to the show. The performers next to the kitchen door and <laughs> big ass it, double doors. Yeah. And yeah. the chairs are split down the middle so that the servers are constantly coming in and out <laughs> and walking between the audience. So psychologically, there's a number of things that that does to yeah. an audience. Oh, yeah. First of all, it splits the room in the middle so they don't end up thinking like one group. Mm-hmm. Oddly enough, it's it's. It, oh, you are so right. Yes. Yeah. So they, they, they never gel. You'll never get them to gel. Like or probably not. Democrats. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. And it also upstages the comedian consistently. You're always the this, the comedian is, doesn't remain the focus mm-hmm. all the time, so they don't feel like they have a leader, and they need to feel like you're the leader. Yeah. And then also there was just one little sort of bright blue spotlight, uh, yep. really that just sort of shined down. And there's nothing that's like isolating. Like a good spotlight should be not blinding the the comedian, and it should so it should be coming from like above and down a bit and it should also be kind of at angles we installed it so it's on either side and then comes down at an angle so that it's not one spotlight right in your eyes yeah and that is such a big deal the lighting is huge huge it has to be a dark room too the way it was before it was really really well lit so you could see everybody and uh, people need to feel a little anonymous yeah oh man go ahead go ahead ahead. that's something that i do believe in like Mm -hmm. Comedy outdoors in the daylight is the worst possible. Thing. It's like it's, hard. it's like triple L. Yeah. Yeah, 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 but there is there is something about it's back to the point that I was saying before about I may not have laughed at that if I didn't see these people laughing at it. Uh-huh. Like when it's like pitch black or like super like just super dark, like people who might be a little you know hesitant to laugh at something. Yeah. If they can see everyone else, that means they feel everyone can see them laughing at it and laughter is acceptance. Yeah. So they may not yep. be as prone to yep. laughing at it yeah. because they feel like somebody in my spot them like, oh, so that's what you agree with? Like totally. that type of thing. So like I, a, that, I'm like, Chanel, a, Chanel Ali and I just had a long conversation literally last night 
about how important the spotlight is, about how important mm-hmm. it is for the room to be dark. Yep. Literally just spoke about this last Corporate time. gigs are the perfect counterexample. Yeah. Because a room like that, what you have so many dynamics going on. You have PF subordinates, yep. you have bosses, you have people who, you have coworkers, and you're like, I don't necessarily show all of who I am in this office. Yeah. Right? Uh-huh. I, like, like, I was a banker and I went to Burning Man and stuff. I wasn't like yeah. showing all of this stuff, the elements of myself. Yeah. And so to go to do comedy when you laugh at something it may or may not be what you believe but you did laugh at yeah, it you, you, you found that funny you, for a moment yeah. you accepted it and so people are less likely to allow that involuntary like they'll control that involuntary response yeah. and make it more voluntary yeah as opposed to feeling free to laugh and it's it's a weird paradox because it's like if it's if it's dark they feel um, and they hear laughter, it's contagious, yep. but, and, but they sit, still at the same time, they need to feel communal. Yeah. Like it has to, like it's dark, so they feel anonymous, but, but also we're still this group. Yeah. We're this group. <laughs> right. And so yeah. like you, the thing you have in common with those people really is I'm here in this room facing this direction. Yeah. That's, that's really all you really have. And you, and you're here seeing comedy. So like another, another element is just how are this, how are the chairs set up? Is it set up in such a way that like you can. And, um, people are close together. I, I think that's a big thing. People should be right next to each other, yeah. so that they be, they feel like a group. What are your thoughts on on seating? Because the way I feel about like comedy club seating or just venue seating, mm-hmm. you should be starting from the front and middle, mm-hmm. the middle front, and building your audience out from there. Now I know mm-hmm. some people get like a lot of people sometimes walking. I've seen this hundreds of times, literally hundreds. People walk into a club and be like, I don't want to sit in front. Absolutely. I get that. Well, put them in the third row in the middle or something. Like, stop putting people in the back right yep. corner yep. then letting the other people seat themselves. And you get these rooms that look like fucking Lego pieces. <laughs> like, you ever yeah. be in a room that looks like, what's that game? Um, Tetris? Like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. the room looks like a, like, oh you just lost a level of Tetris where it's like, all oh, this is full over yeah. here. Oh, but dead God. smack in the middle and the back right, there's like no one. Yeah. Oh, that, that goes into the structure of the room. Like, that drives me nuts when so I see that. when so we work answer. at Brickspot, that's like mm-hmm. why the consistent barking needs yeah. to be happening at all times. Because like, yeah, yeah it could be full, but this group may have to leave for like a yeah. dinner or yeah. something. Like, you don't know and you gotta fill that space because it's that we awkward. care about that a lot. And then there'll be like huge, three bro. people over there, the but everyone, like, I'm pointing to the right. Yeah. And then everyone's on the left and then you got to engage those three people, but almost like kind of like, you know, like the friend you don't want to talk to, yeah. but you like, you know, but you, you over wanna, there, dog, you're not, you don't want to be a dick. So you're like, yeah, you can be in this conversation too. And it's it's just, some, yes. some clubs are really good about that. The stand and Gotham are really good yeah. about how they see people like the stand. Like they ask you, do you mind being up front? You say no, and they find a place where they put somebody right next to you and somebody yeah. right next to them. Mm-hmm. You know, so like I, and Gotham, obviously, you know, Gotham is one of the best oiled machines in comedy period so we play a game with it because ours is at this point because we haven't launched the online stuff um it's uh, it's barked in audience so we just bring people in off the street and the we play a game where we don't we don't put all the chairs and tables out we you have the first or second row that's all you get (laughs) that's all you get and once those are filled up then we start to build it out and there's a diagram of exactly how to do that so that we can seat the most people you have the lanes of fire so Mm -hmm. it's just right and then you can still get service and the comedians can get to the stage if that gets fucked up it can fuck up a show oh we can Oh, dude. It's yeah. and so that those those or and also you need a goddamn stage. Yeah, you yeah. need a stage. So okay, so that's okay. <laughs> so yes, you do need a stage. 
Although, not even although, and no, but <laughs> there are some great shows Fine. all over the country yes. with no seats. If you have a club or a venue, you better have a fucking stage. Just some great That's bar what I and mean. like cafe shows. Yeah. Like, you they know, don't... like Black Cat. There's certain shows where it's like, but then it gives you like that living room feel, which, which can really work in stand up, you know? Like, yeah. I don't if, if mean no those stage, alternative rooms. Yeah. I mean, if you have a like comedy a venue, venue, venue yeah, that you, you gotta do have comedy, a lift of some sort. have a yeah. lift because yeah. it just gives a little bit of a psychological edge that says this person's going to be in charge so for the moment. Yeah. 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 It's, it, and people, oh, they will give you more. Of uh of I don't know they they will imbue you with authority yeah and then you have a you need to earn the right to keep it you you have right you're you're amplified mm-hmm. your height which is a biological thing uh-huh. is increased so that's dominance mm-hmm. yeah. right then the lighting on you you're the only focal point in the room mm-hmm. that's yeah. technically once again dominance and attention yeah all those things are like really intricately like one and you need to have them yeah. like, i hate when you get to places that have like one but not the two other things <laughs> like yeah. like some place will be like amazingly lit but like no stage and the sound is horrible that is quick sidebar yeah, okay. one of the things that pisses me off the most like places that have to like bring in speakers like your speaker placement is important yes as well. so if you have a room that seats 80 you have two speakers that they're both in the front what about the folks in the back mm-hmm. so this they're is both a big on deal. one side of the room so the right side of the room paid the same ten dollars and they can't hear the show with the same quality as the left yeah. side of the room here's what ends up happening like put on the sides or something do do or, like I'm 80s, or do or something, it hurts right? their ears yeah I, like this is the, he's uh-huh. yelling they at put me chairs now. directly yeah. under speakers it's like yeah. dude like if, if yeah. you bought a ticket to something and they put you there you feel some type of way about that. Yeah, you? totally. Why yeah. do that to your patrons? Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm obsessed with this particular element. Yeah. Even sound distribution, yeah. right? If you don't do that, what happens is a lot of places, they have one big-ass speaker right next to the performer. And so the people in the front get their ears blown out. The people in the middle have an okay experience. And the people in back don't feel like they're part of the show. Yes, it absolutely. Is, absolutely. Uh, it is such a nightmare. Uh, or you turn it down and the people in the front are okay. And then it, and it just gets worse as you go yeah. back through the yeah. room. So um, I'm obsessed with having I, we we installed That's rear all. speakers yep. so that and then and they're carefully calibrated so that it distributes sound throughout the room as opposed to we just this blast from the front or uh. it's like I, that stuff I, I get people don't want to focus on it but it makes such a difference for people yeah, yeah I don't want to feel like I'm at a punk show at a stand up show yeah. or like or <laughs> also the conditions of the room like like the air air conditioning busted in yeah. our it, it, at Brick Spot that, that was and a game changer it sucked it has sucked it's been really hard and i'm so glad it's turning cold now yeah, yeah. but <laughs> it's been hard but the 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 conditions matter like i watched shows that w- stacked with amazing comedians kind of eat shit just because people were too hot yeah oh yeah i mean temperature you know it's another thing that people don't talk about when it comes to the room how are the servers taking orders? Yes. So, so you have some of these venues. I'm not going to name who, but you have certain venues. And this is all over the country, so I don't even have to say that, really. Yeah. But you have certain places where, like, the waitress or the waiter, they may be a great waiter or waitress, but they've never been a waiter or waitress at a comedy venue. So they don't understand, yeah. like, still getting your work in but being deferential to the performer. At the end of the day, the performer is helping you make money, uh-huh. helping retain people's energy, which is retaining their dollars, right? So yeah. you have some of these, like, waiter, waiters and waitresses who will literally, like, walk up and put their back to the comic, stand straight up, and be taking an order, talking to someone mm-hmm. like they're in the back of Buca de Peppo, like there mm-hmm. isn't a fucking stand-up show. No respect the for the room. performance whatsoever. You know, like that, that drives me nuts. And even if you, 
even if you angle your body correctly and like you kind of do like the the crouch. I like when uh-huh. like you go to comedy clubs. Like you know, Gotham's a great example. The stand is the best example because it's so small. Caroline's yeah. is a good example as well. Uh-huh. Well, like they they notice a show happening, so they kind of pull up to the side. Like you're trying to parallel park. Yeah, yeah. Like they pull up to the side of a table and be like, hey, you know, like talk to you that way. That's great. That's Don't great. like pull up to the side of the table and be like, yo, so what y'all trying to get? Yeah, your positioning <laughs> is great, but your volume is awful. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. That's something that I've been through multiple times. So yeah. like the setting, like having things be conducive to comedy is one it's of the most delicate. under, it's, it's one of the most underlooked parts of comedy. You'd be surprised how many people are producing shows all over the country and are not thinking about the logistics. As I would not be thinking surprised. like, okay, stage. Okay, I got a mic. I got sound. I've got chairs. I've got comics. That's yeah. all I need. Nah, bro, you need a lot more than that. Yeah. yeah. There is something fun, though. I was just thinking about this because this is actually how we met, and I just remember this. Yeah. I like an ambush bar show. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because the stakes <laughs> are, like, low, but not, like, you still want to do well for yeah. yourself. Ambush bar yeah. show. Ambush bar show. That means you're performing down the bar, usually. Like, so, like. But there's people who just frequent that bar Mm -hmm. but didn't know the show was happening. (laughs) So they're just there to get their beer. They are ambushed by comedy. If you start doing well in those rooms, it is like, it feels like a gold star because you're like, they didn't even want this. Yeah. Like, I forced it upon One of the very first conversations you and I ever had was about that. It was like. We're smoking menthol. We were smoking outside. American spirits. And yeah, we were sitting there talking. It's like, yo. Because I came up in those type of rooms. Like, I yeah. started, in, I started in to stand up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. So all of our mics are ambushed. Yeah. You know, and like a lot of our best shows were ambushed too. Yeah. It is a victory. Like there's something, you know you had a good set. Mm-hmm. It feels like a victory when you got the bar to turn around. Because usually you're performing yeah. opposite the bar. Yeah. So people at the bar could just tune you out, face their wings, and like watch the game, right? Yeah. But if you get people at the bar to like turn around and eat slower and yeah. like laugh over the shoulder, oh, that's a dub. That's almost yeah. like, that's a dub, bro. you know what that is? That's like, it's like the mariachi band that gets on the subway car. And, you and then all out. of a sudden you're like, you know what? <laughs> this is yeah, pretty good. good. Bro, These right? guys are I want to take this moment to introduce Norlex. Absolutely. (laughs) Norlex, thanks for doing the show, bro. Thanks for having me, man. (laughs) Yeah, man. Norlex, you just did your hour at Caroline's. This, for those of you who don't know, this is a huge deal in our world. Caroline's is one of the top clubs in the world. Mm -hmm. It is very prestigious to do comedy there, let alone to do your hour there. Uh, So congratulations, man. That's so cool. Thank you, dude. It took me like about two, three weeks to come off of that high and then like my girlfriend and I went to Boston for four or five days, and then that's when I finally felt like, okay, I'm a civilian again, dude. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was it was a great experience. Um, the process of getting ready for it was like really important to me, and I feel like it gave me a legs up for like you know whatever comes in the next few years. Like getting that experience now, and not just being like I'm gonna give people the best amalgamation of like you know the best combo of jokes that I currently have. I wanted to like craft like a set for that night. So. And we're going to listen to some of that yeah, in yeah. a little bit. Um, but I'd love to hear like what, what, what went into that thought process? Well, obviously it was the first time that I was booked to do an hour. Mm-hmm. I had done college shows before and like college shows, usually like minimum 30, sometimes 40. And that's different. Cause you know, college shows is college shows are built for crowd work. Obviously you get your material yeah. off, but college shows, if there's any environment where you can burn a solid eight off of crowd work as a college show. There's another room, by the uh, way. Huh? Yeah. There that is another room. type of room. Yeah. Well, I wanted to double back before because I, I, I kind of treat 
college and corporate the same because they tend to be tight up front. You have to do something to get them to all loosen up as a, like a as a. As and a, what do you do? Um, crowd work. Yeah. So, right. You start you, you crowd work about their environment so that you let them know that you know who they are and what they are. So like, when I'm at colleges, I do very college based crowd work, like you know dating stuff or swiping people into dorms, or not having enough swipes but still needing to eat shit like that. When I'm in corporate environments, I'm talking about that bitch Becky or everybody hates Karen or everybody. You know what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah. There's certain things that just pop up at every work environment. So yep. I usually try to crowd work and get people all on the same page, like with each other and then with me. Like, okay, I know who you got are not listen to these jokes um so what were we saying before? well that's i mean that's yeah. i mean it's the same principle as a white guy going to a black room yeah. he has to let them know like i know hey, what's going on I, yeah. I know a little <laughs> yeah, i'm not completely ignorant i know I, I may not be from this but i understand this. Uh-huh, uh-huh. um how did how do we get to that well we got to that because uh we were talking about the, the construction yeah. of your hour yeah so uh, it was it was a great process. Like essentially, what I decided to do was I hadn't done like booked for an hour, so I decided to arc it out into like four like four parts, like a symphony almost. So yeah, and you I, have a music background. Yeah, so I had I essentially did it like my opening ten, mm-hmm. and then I had like the next eight to twelve. It was really about fourteen. Then I had like another fifteen, and essentially another fifteen. You know, so I kind of all built them out. And they all were to be unique in their own standalone ways. But also like be cohesive. Like I wanted it to be a progression, much like a symphony. But, like you have that intro, and there's bits and pieces of that intro all throughout, like the rest of the symphony. Yeah. But then when you get to the fourth part of it, it's kind of like you know, like it kitchen sink wings, where like everything that you made previously is like all not coming out in various ways. So I, I break that down a little more. So it's I brilliant. started off my. Caroline said doing this joke that's online. This the resting bouncer body and joke. And don't, don't spoil it because we are going to play it. Okay, okay, okay. So I start off with a joke that definitely, like, it touches on like, different parts of that joke, different lines in that joke talk about everything that's in the rest of my set. Oh, so like, so great. So I hit on different racial things. I hit on very, like, New York-specific things. Uh-huh. I hit on, like, man-woman stuff. You know, I hit on a lot of different type of things on purpose just to kind of like drop those jewels in people's minds because like it's coming back in a much harsh not harsh is a bad way to say it it's coming back in a a way more developed or intense way in the next 45 minutes or next uh, so it's one of those bits where it's like this is this is this is this will set the tone for the whole show this is a little bit of my perspective on everything but all like kind of absolutely that's that's i wish i could have said like that that's that's exactly how i approach the opening quarter of of that set i like that you use the the music uh analogy because like that's what happens in like operas mm-hmm. or a lot of symphonies the very first thing you hear every single musical like like major musical phrase or yep. you, know, you hear every single you motif a, your b yeah the motifs thing. uh-huh yeah. and then you, you hear all of that and, and it goes through and they weave all those together and then the rest of it is you, you'll hear those come back like if there's a if it's an if it's an opera or even like yeah. a musical when that person comes on stage exactly. you hear that their exactly. theme song you that you the, heard in the beginning when you hear the second horn do that one line you're like oh word that dude's about to come out yeah <laughs> That was my whole life before stand-up. So, like, I don't do that just to make the, like, to make the correlation for podcasts. Like, that actually is how I do think about it. Like, yeah, that's really when cool. I'm doing over 20 or 30, I do think of it as putting together like that. Uh-huh. Oh, great. Yeah. I, I, I played music I love... from 4 to 21, dude. So, like, that's that's what I know. Yeah. What'd you play? 
uh, trombone, violin, viola, piano. You know, went to music Damn. school, did the whole nine. So one man band, all of those at once. You had I like... wish. <laughs> I mean, violin and viola would be really hard to do at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I Got guess you could try. chin strap nah, you on both. It. it goes both ways. Unless you play the keys with your feet. Yeah. Have you ever incorporated music into comedy? Not, nah, I mean, I, of course you. No, I, I haven't. I do have like two ideas. One is something that I'm actually starting to like. I finally have the confidence in trying to develop it out a little more. Uh-huh. Um, I'm not. I'm not trying to be flight of the Concords here, but yeah, you know, like you did open do for have Jermaine, creative, yeah, Fowler, yeah, right. I him <laughs> open for phony people at the Blue Note, so I've been around that world still, like a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I have an idea that I'm finally willing to push, but I don't want to seem like. Oh well, stand up wasn't working, so I went to this. Like, uh-huh. I want to do it. I don't think people think that. <laughs> I would hope not, but if that's the first thing that people see nationally, I want it to be more so be a compliment to my actual stand up. Yeah, well, but yeah, so what you said, I I, I kind of used that first quarter, or what I said, but you said better. Yeah, yeah. I used that first quarter as a hey, I'm going to introduce you to a lot of different themes. Yeah, yeah. That you're going to hear through the rest of that. So then when I got to the second quarter, it was more so okay, I'm gonna couch just one joke here because it allows me to like, talk about like my age group real quick. Because that was the one thing that wasn't a part of the original you know, nine minutes up front. So I did that. The second quarter was like more of the same. And then I got to do my New York specific stuff. Yeah. Um, that I really couldn't work on outside the city. So I was like, I, right, I'm from New York. This is a New York crowd. I have like fans and friends here. So I'm. This is like red. It's like Trump. Like red meat to the base. You know what I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, I know where I'm at. I know who's here. Build that fucking wall. And I'm saying, like, I, I can yeah, lock yeah. her up. I can throw all these things out because this is yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. like what you want to see, even though you're not saying that. You want to hear that New York shit yeah. from a native New Yorker because you also native New Yorkers. Let's hear your prelude. Okay, yeah, so let's do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's let's do it. And so this is Norlex Belma at Caroline's 2018. What month? What month was it? Last July month? 17th, baby. July 17th, mm-hmm. and this is his uh, symphonic prelude. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have resting bitch face. You wear this concept, like people who look like somebody just farted all the time, like they're sitting shiver at a first communion. Have you seen these people? Some people have resting bitch face. I have a brand new condition. I was diagnosed with resting bouncer body. <laughs> like, I can't stand outside of shit <laughs> without people handing me IDs. It is very rude. It's every day. Like, I missed the memo. Like, nobody told me I can't stand outside, open doors past 7 p.m. <laughs> And also look like the love child of Forrest Whitaker and Queen Latifah. Nobody told me. <laughs> I know I look like. <laughs> Fuck yeah, ain't shit for laughing at that. <laughs> Nobody told me I can't wear dark colored tops and also look like Luke Cage with diabetes. Nobody told me that. It's true, but nobody told me that. No bullshit. I was in front of McDonald's in the West Village a few weeks ago. Four tourists walk up and hand me IDs. <laughs> in front of McDonald's. <laughs> These disrespectful motherfuckers. You don't need an ID to get diabetes. Get your ugly ass inside of here. My mother's a strong black woman. She taught me never let them see you sweat. So you know what I did? I charged them each a $5 cover charge. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Hell yeah, I'm a patriot up here. Thank you. Hell yeah. You call it profiling, I call it crushing shit. <laughs> 
I hustled racism into free McFlurry money. I'll add you. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> it's weird being this big and this tall, though, because of biology, people are either terrified of you or they find safety in you. Right, big dudes? Yep. Like, one day you're Freddy Krueger, <laughs> next day you're Fort Knox. It's very confusing. <laughs> but I'm a black man, so that safety shit, right out the window. You just see what people do when they see me. If I see a man and woman couple, typically, the woman will grab the man's hand for safety. I'm like, oh, look at me inspiring love. (laughs) (laughs) Then you realize her strategy is horrible. Because now this dude has one less hand to fight me off with. (laughs) You thought you were setting up a W. You about to take a hard L, sweetheart. Catch that Flatbush one, two, don't know what hit him. (laughs) People have their cell phones. They see me and they immediately tuck their iPhones. I'm like, yo, you can keep that bum-ass 4S. Nobody wants that shit. It's weird. There's a group of people on the sidewalk and they see me walking. They just clear a path. Real shit, I feel like black pedestrian Moses. <laughs> you know, there's clear the path for the chosen people to get to the promised land. And the promised land is Popeyes. Yeah. <laughs> hey, listen, if they served those biscuits for communion, I would not be an ex-Catholic. <laughs> Could you imagine if they gave you jelly with the Eucharist? Like, you want some jelly with your Jesus? Like, yeah, I want some jelly with my Jesus. <laughs> That's that's your favorite line? That's my favorite line that I wrote all year last year. That came up as a riff when I was in Tennessee. I was like, I'm keeping that. That's real. It it, it sounds fun to say, yeah, I want some jelly. (laughs) (laughs) Can I get a grip? I heard he was fond of grapes. Can I get in grape? (laughs) I love being this big and this tall, man. My friends take advantage of my size when we go to the nightclub. Sidebar, I don't go to the nightclub because I'm large and I sweat all the time. <laughs> like, ladies, in the summertime, I don't even have sex on top. It is not a sexual preference. It is a safety precaution. Salud, salud, salud. Yo, dig this, yo. So last summer, I was having sex with this uh, fine young woman, right? We're having sex, we're having a good time. I'm doing my thug thizzle. I'm in there. Ah, I'm looking like a rhino trying to get out of the mud pool. I'm like, ah, ah, ah. Doing the old school Harlem shaking that motherfucker. Ah, yeah, right? I had to take myself off this woman, grab the sheets, and wipe her down, and then get back to business. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because her breasts looked like Lake Superior. It was very embarrassing. Yeah, I needed a sham wow. It was terrible. <laughs> See, when I go to the nightclub, I just find the fat man corner. I know the fat man corner, right? It's usually next to an exit door or a cooling unit. <laughs> That's funny. I'm never... <laughs> a few of you are residents of the fat man corner. I see. You gotta make it a more gender neutral name. <laughs> I'm never alone back there. It's usually me, the drunk woman who wore her cousin's shoes so they don't fit. Like, she's looking like a like a giraffe, <laughs> wounded giraffe walking around the club. Right? 
And then there's like the married couple of 30 years with a mortgage trying to figure out how the fuck they ended up in a nightclub again. <laughs> on a Saturday. How many times is Gary gonna turn 40? Not I mean, like... <laughs> But I'm in the corner, my friends usually gather all their belongings, they do this speech, they walk over, they go, yo, Lex, you big, and you black. So we gonna leave all of our shit with you. That's true. My friends turn me into walking storage, it's embarrassing. I feel like that overweight mom who never gets on the rise at the amusement park. Oh my God. (laughs) We've all seen this woman. At the bottom of every round of everybody's stuff, acting like that's why the fuck she came? No. <laughs> Stay your ass down here. We got Thanksgiving coming up. We need you. Medusa is not for you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> My friends are assholes. They keep snacks in their bags. You see this? This wasn't an accident. I did this to myself. I will eat every Welch's fruit snack in your purse. And then smoke all your marijuana out of spite. It's gotten to the point that if people aren't terrified when they see me, I'm offended. Like, if people aren't scared, I'm in my feelings. No bullshit, I was walking down the street four in the morning, this woman was walking clear at me, head straight like she's in full metal jacket. Right? She walks clear by me, and I was like, uh, does she not know that I look like I robbed her ass? <laughs> How dare you disrespect my stereotype, man? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's such good, like get to know you material. Yeah, see, I, I hit on a lot of different things. On you that, really yes. get to know you through that, and it's really funny because I mean, like you think uh, you, you stay on the way you look. So for how long was that? It was that? seven and a half. It was, seven it was and a half. seven and a half minutes. Yeah. That's fucking great, man. And it all kind of yeah. You're the way you described it before is perfect. It's like sets up the rest of your set so well because I get your sense of humor about yourself. What annoys you about the people? Uh, what, yeah, yeah. It's oh god, it's so good. It shows your level of self awareness. Andrea Allen said on a recent episode, she was just like, lack of self awareness is a disease. <laughs> Shout out to Andrea Double yeah. A. I fuck with her, yo. Right. <laughs> yeah. So just this really high level of, of self awareness and. Of course, people love that. If they think that you know all of the things that they're judging you for, then they're like, all right, all right, all right. Oh, yeah, we're all in on a joke. <laughs> right. Yeah. You had a bunch of things that uh, felt like they could be on T-shirts. Like yeah, you tat- yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fat Man Corner is so funny. Yeah. yeah. I just thought of a picture, like a doodle with a guy next to an exit sign and a fan. Yeah. On his face. It should be a group of, it should be a group of big dudes. It's like, yeah. Sitting just, on a they're bench. all just sweating it. That is You'd be so surprised. Funny. Like when I do that particular bit, like, especially when I'm out of New York city, yeah. Yo, I usually will find like a bigger dude, like in the back somewhere, dog. I did that shit. In, uh, shout out to Nick Lavalley. I did that in uh, Manchester, New Hampshire. Uh-huh. And it was three big dudes <laughs> all huddled in the corner, right next to the exit, yes! right under a vent. I was like, yes! yeah, like these motherfuckers right yes! here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I opened for Marina Franklin at the Pittsburgh Comedy Festival and I did that bit. She's so and it was funny. this big dude. I want, he's like bigger. He's like you know, a corn fed white boy. I'm talking like six nine. Oh, white boy. Like okay, yeah. Three yeah. twenty looks like a lineman for Wisconsin. Like yeah, one of these yeah, big totally. white boys sitting in the last row right next to the exit. I was like, you ain't slick, bro. I'm calling your shit. <laughs> did he like it a lot too? <laughs> oh, he like, every time because like I would it's like a sympathical thing. So, Yo, we're, we're right here. Dude. Oh, yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah. I see yeah. you. I know you. Uh I like to like while you 
while this was happening, you had a napkin and you were wiping your forehead. Yeah. As we were listening yeah, to bro. the bit, you were like, I'm not a hypocrite, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a hypocrite. Yeah. Like that, the stuff about um, like not having sex in the summer or like not having sex on top in the summer is like a real thing. Like I, I still do it because I'm a you know, savage, but like that's a real thing. Like I sweat a lot. So like in the yeah, summertime, yeah. like I have to like, it's a lot of seahorse fucking, like a lot of, you know, side grinding. As I was like, <laughs> seahorse yeah. fucking. No, you know, you, you curl yourself up like a seahorse and you yeah. just fuck on your side. I got it. I got that's the a, That's the morning, like morning breath sex. Uh, yeah. That, posi- that position is me all summer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I feel like you could also have re- just resting bouncer body yeah. on a t-shirt. I, I should. Definitely it's on it. a black t-shirt, white lettering, something simple. Yeah. yeah. I, I loved. Uh, oh, inspiring love too. Love. Well, Inspire, like when uh, when the girl grabs her boyfriend's hand closer, it's like, oh, I'm inspiring love. Yep. That's fucking funny. Yeah, flipping that on its. Yeah, so yeah. what um, I want to talk a little bit about building this chunk mm-hmm. um, in different rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the initial idea for being 100 percent honest happened because every time I'm standing in front of a comedy club in New York City, I'm usually huddled outside with comics. where I'm usually like the largest and blackest person, you know, and I usually wear like a dark colored top. So. Like a lot of people just started handing me IDs, mm-hmm. you know? or like just assume. Did like, someone hand you an ID when we were smoking cigarettes outside of that bar we did that show at? Because we were standing in Philadelphia. Raining, or what were so you we, talking about? No, when we were, it was like Brandon Scott Wolf's show. Oh, uh, at Bar Court. Yeah, yeah, yeah bar, exactly. Did someone yeah. hand you an ID? It wouldn't surprise me, bro. Like that. my whole first year and a half, two years in New York, it was happening every fucking day. I had to just learn not to stand next to doors, yeah. especially if I was wearing black or dark blue. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the idea, because it just have kept you like happening. developed this skill where you just know. Exactly Exactly how everybody, how old everybody is. Oh no, I wish. That'd be great. <laughs> but I, I do have a sixth sense about it because like, there's, there's a certain like, you know, fear of authority look on people's face when they think you're the authority figure. Yeah. yeah. So I can sense it from people coming up a block or turning to the front of a venue. Yeah, yeah. So the inspiration for the idea started here in New York. It actually happened to me. I use McDonald's, mm-hmm. but it happened to me in front of a Chipotle, and mm-hmm. that's when I was like, okay, I have to do something with this. Yeah. Um, but then I was getting on the road, so like I built that joke out in Pittsburgh. I built it out in D.C. I built yeah. it out in Philly. Um, I built it out in New Hampshire. And what was, I built wait, it out you in changed Boston. it from Chipotle because it's it's Chipotle. Well, because Mc, McDonald's, McDonald's, I felt like was a little easier to travel with. You know, yeah. like doing it in like suburban parts because I, I do like big cities and I usually find myself in the suburbs of those big cities. Yeah. And some of those suburbs don't have all the things that the big city will. Yeah. So I felt like traveling wise, McDonald's is a lot more relatable. Like For people sure. might be a lot more aware of McDonald's, obviously, yeah. than they might be as it's like aware the of Chipotle. Chain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also like the tagline of you don't need... You don't like to get diabetes, yeah. get your dumb ass inside of here. Yeah, yeah. That works way better with McDonald's than it does with Chipotle. And so that's why I made that. that okay. Also, that next that line change. I wrote down, yeah. I loved it. That, the, the wordsmithry there is just great. Hustled racism into free, free McFlurry, McFlurry money. money. Yeah, that's <laughs> Holla great. at your boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah Did those I, things just come to you? Some of them. Uh, I would yeah. say like. I'm writing stuff and like, the premise is good. And like, okay, yeah, I, I like this energy. And then you just like get on stage with it. So you have the beats, but you know, there's gaps in between the beats. So you just like start filling them For in because sure. you don't know what else to say. Yeah. And you might not, like, what comes out the first time? Like, you want to, sometimes I just want to match that energy, mm-hmm. but it may not be those exact words. Totally. You know, so like, I might not get all those lines immediately, but it's like, okay, so I'm trying to say something with a certain type of energy here, but this, combination of words isn't working for sure so that's when i that's when like i try to turn like the clever switch on was like well 
how can I like finagle some? So like the hustled racism into free McFlurry line came from me saying like I hustled racism into like the come up. Yeah. But the come up wasn't landing as strong. Yeah, so yeah. I changed it to like into free McFlurry money and boom, I had a solid tag. You know, so like yeah. I was trying to match that energy, but it wasn't. The words weren't right. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah the, you, you used. You, I liked how you said the same thing. You got uh, your your tags are basically synonym tags. Yeah. A few of them like wipe her down, uh, get back to business. Then you say Lake Superior, and then you have Sham. Sham wow. Out. Yeah. It's just hitting it from yeah. like in different ways. Yeah. Like I don't know. You don't want to leave. You're like you know, ringing the joke. Yeah. yeah exactly. Joke, yeah. It's like you, you don't want to just leave jokes on the table. Dude. Right. You gotta no. eat, man. So right. it's like if if I say something and it hits. Like this is something that I get from like you know when I open for God if you're like guy, watching guys like D Ray or Tommy Davidson is probably one of the best examples you can use mm-hmm. of like something hits and he was talking to my I got this from he was, all right Ed Bailey who opened for me at Carolina's one of my mm-hmm. best friends opened for Tommy Davidson and Tommy Davidson told him this and Ed told me and it's like <laughs> come. It's, but like that's how you get that's how you learn in comedy sometimes yeah, yeah. like when old heads are like giving your told you what what did he say so, sure. so he said he said to my friend Ed who said to me he's like yo man like if it works, just find a way to come back to it. Yeah. Right? Like, just hit that gong again. They liked right, it the yeah. first time. Don't say the same exact thing, but to come back to it. So in that joke and, you know, my goddaughter joke and, like, the joke that has this nigga here, I kind of, like, ring the gong. Like, I walk away for a second, but, like, I come back and, like, tap it with, like, the triangle stick real quick. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah this is still fame too, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I love coming back to it. There's the other thing where you get excited and I've done this a million times. I've seen it a million times yeah. where you, you get it, you, the gong rings and then you're like, I'm going to hit that gong again. Yeah, and then you go, yeah. I want to hit I, the gong again. Yeah. And then you do one too many. And then people uh, are like, and you go, shit, I should have left it on yeah. the third yeah, ring. That third one was fine. <laughs> so, but As Nico was said, I should have left them on the other one. <laughs> I like, I kind of think when you're playing with house money like that, when you have those, the, it rings three times. Mm-hmm. It's okay that you failed on the fourth or where the fifth. Yeah, it's like a, a reason why that that, com- that comedy rule of threes things works sometimes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you either have to like hit that three, yeah, or like blow way past it, like in a Scott Patton <laughs> oh, yeah, type yeah. way. Yeah, yeah. So when you go for four or five, like, Sean Patton. It, 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 I guess I mean, huh? Scott Patton. Sean Patton. Sean, you said Scott. Yeah. Okay, oh, my yeah. Sean yeah. Patton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you're coming up with those punches, you know, yeah. when you're kind of writing on stage where like you've oh, written you the crux of the joke, but you're like, ooh, I think there's some more juice in this. I hate those sets. Which I hate ones? those sets where like you have the meat. Yeah. I feel like a Ving Rains doing Arby's commercials. Yeah. We have the meat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that is Ving Rains. Yeah, that's Ving Rains. Okay, yeah. I thought. Uh, <laughs> but it's like I hate those sets when you you have the meat, like you've been working on it. Yeah, but you're trying to find the right tag sequence. Yeah, so you have to do like six or seven, mm-hmm. and it's like you're essentially trying. You're you're miking your set. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I always tag the third one the most offensive one. Yeah, uh, if there's one that's kind of that's offensive, smart. that's smart. That's Because like the, I've already proved I'm silly with the first two. Yeah. If you can't take this one seriously, that's on you. I mean, then I'm on. You, to the you next want it show. to be the strongest. You want it, like your third is supposed to be the one that. But maybe the, the, the potentially more emotional. offensive could be the strongest. Yeah, yeah you know absolutely. what I mean. Yeah, I, I totally this, ju- It's like I'm doing this. This feels so like what I'm doing right now. I have this joke about the Nazi getting deported. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a Nazi in Queens. Yeah, and it's just like uh, the American government being like. Uh, like, uh, get out of here, you old Nazi. We got fresh new ones. Yeah. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he just like saying, like, what the new ones are up to. Yeah. Like, Mexicans are the new Jews. He get out of town. going and, and going. To, and... But the Mexicans are the new Jews is the one that is always 50 50, whether they're just going to, like, be on board with its. I mean, yeah. clearly, this is a guy that likes Nazis in the country. So, like, right. it's not. 
But uh, it's been fun to kind of like, they were Brooks Brothers now, like that kind of you, shit. You keep throwing shit to the wall and see yeah, what yeah. But like I said, I, I hate that, though, because then it's like... You don't know which one it is. Exactly. And sometimes the crowd knows, Or too. the it's order like, is so the important. Fir- it's always like the first two are great. Yeah. Then like the third one might be good, and then like four, five, six, and seven, it's like, all right. So was it because you guys got tired? or It's like, did you guys get it on the first three? So you look yeah. at them like, why do I need these other four? Yeah, or yeah. is it like these other four are weak? Like, it's, it, it, uh-huh. it's kind of uncomfortable space, at least for me to operate. Yeah. In until I find the three or four. Yeah. And yeah. then, like, lock those in. Anthony uh-huh. DeVito has a great system for that. He's mm-hmm. so disciplined about it. He told us that... What he does, he has his new bit, and he says, "Okay, I may have written more, but I'm only gonna I'm gonna sandwich in just the the part that I know is gonna work, yeah. and do that a few times. And when he's like, okay, this joke works, period. Yeah. Then he'll say, okay, I had the scaffold for this, and now I'm gonna build just the next piece, yeah. so that he can test it. He's like really methodical, and he'll be like, okay, great, I have this next part. Now I'm gonna add the third. Now I'm gonna add the fourth, and he, and he does that each time, so he can legitimately test and swap them out. Ah, oh, that's smart. That's I smart. know, right? It's, that's super smart. He's that's a smart dude. So I usually like I write, and then like I take what I write, and then just word vomit after it. Yep, yeah. yep. And then like I take that all back and be like, okay, so. This thing from the word vomit worked and actually made this point from the written stuff work. Yeah. So let me pull these two. Totally. And then, yeah. His disciplined approach to it, I think, is really smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you can actually then determine, well, wait, did they not laugh? Because the other way you're like, well, I kind of flubbed it a little on this tag. Did that make the next tag not funny? Or right. is the next tag just not funny? Right, 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 right. right, right? right it's right. that A-B testing each time. Um, and also, you know, I have this one joke, so it does work. So here, now we've got them laughing at this concept. Mm-hmm. Now I can start experimenting. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, smart. Uh, to the last point you made is what made that bouncer body joke work. Okay, go on. I just literally like just started fucking with the premise essentially, like literally the opening part to it. Like some people have resting bitch face. I have resting bouncer body. Literally those opening few lines that just went away from it. It was just like a yeah. good thing to do. Then over time I was like, oh, I should really like fuck with this. Like this can be like I was at that point I was thinking about building out my feature set. So I was like, oh, this could be a great middle of the set, four or five minute bit. And then it just kind of took a life of its own and right. ended up becoming you know, right. seven and a half, eight minutes. Right. People liked it. They ate it up. And, you, yeah. and that energy, you kept And, I, and I had so much fun doing it. Like, uh-huh. that's, like, I enjoy doing all my jokes. But there's certain jokes of mine that like I physically get a different level of enjoyment from. And that's one of them. Because one, I'm, I'm literally talking about like what I'm performing out of like this yeah. show, you know? And like I'm actually watching people be like, oh, he kind of does look like that. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I had this line in there like I, I look like a that. Django extra, and like I can see people be like, I don't want to laugh at that, but I have to laugh at that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, um, But yeah, so that life, that joke ended up taking life of its own. I am gonna listen to that episode because that's like great advice. Come on, let's talk about sex. This next bit is also from Norlex Caroline's hour set. Um, so when I was building out the hour, uh, building out really the hour long set. Um, I knew I had to do something for like the native New Yorkers who were in the crowd. Mm-hmm. Awesome. That New York okay. room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah, playing to the room. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a, a, essentially like a suite of New York specific jokes that I couldn't work on on the road. So I just worked on them tirelessly when I was here. And then when I went on the road, I worked on the other 44 minutes of, Got of it. the set or whatever. Um, so this joke here is talking about uh, New York City pride and how like native New Yorkers really don't give a fuck about like wherever you're from if you're in New York City. It's like you left for a reason, right? So like so okay. um so this is in the second quarter. This is 
you know, after I do the wrestling bouncer body joke, I do like this joke about Facebook. Then I launch into this, you know, a few minutes of uh, about 10 minutes, if I'm not mistaken, 10 or 11 minutes. It's like New York specific things. Great. Born and raised in New York, I'm very proud to be from New York City. It's New York City in the building tonight. We out here, out here. We're not dead yet. (laughs) Love being from New York, man. People from New York City, we're so proud about being from here that it doesn't matter what city you say you're from. Our first thought is always, fuck that city. Yeah, yeah. 100% true. (laughs) (laughs) Solely because it's not New York City. Who in here is not from New York? Not from New York City. <laughs> Man, where are you from? Iowa. Yo, fuck Iowa, dog. <laughs> what up? Holla at me, boy. What up? What up? What up? And I know your public education system ain't shit because it asked you what city and you gave me a state. <laughs> oh, yeah. Hell yeah. I tagged her ass, bro. <laughs> Joy. Yeah, this is great. It doesn't matter what city you say you're from. I can meet you and you can say you were an angel from heaven. I'd be like, oh, word? Yo, fuck heaven. (laughs) You can't get a good slice of pizza at 4 30 in the morning in heaven. (laughs) You can do that. Wait, what, y'all got doves in heaven? Fuck doves. We got pigeons in New York City. (laughs) We got the most gangster pigeons on earth. They will shit on your grandmother on the way to church on a Sunday. Holla at us. It's New York City, baby. (laughs) People from New York, we're way too proud about being from here. Because we all know what happens when you meet a fellow native New Yorker. First thing is, what part of the city are you from? Then if they're from the same part, very next question, what high school did you go to? Don't fuck around and say some shit like Stuyvesant. Be like, oh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) I ain't trying to hear all that. Well, you went to Brooklyn Tech? Oh, that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite conversations that happen when two New Yorkers meet each other is my favorite one. It goes like this. Yo, what hospital were you born in? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah, that's a big New York Yo, that turns into some West Side Story, Bloods, Crips, bullshit. (laughs) Once you're a Jay, you're a Jay. It gets real. (laughs) You thought a brother didn't know his musical theater? I'm very hip. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, I hit you with that lame is, you'd be confused. Conversation usually goes like this. Yo, what hospital were you born in? Somebody says the hospital and then gets some real gangster shit. Who here is from New York City? From New York City. Swag, 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 swag. Ma'am, what hospital were you born in? Yo, fuck my mind in this hospital, bro. Yo, Brookdale Hospital, class 89. We out here. We out here. Brookdale, we out here. What? How you gonna tell me to sit down on my show? You seated. <laughs> She's like, sit down. I was like, fuck you. Yeah. See, I don't want to talk to you anymore because you're a white woman. I don't want to end up on a BuzzFeed article tomorrow morning. <laughs> Black comedian with once promising career verbally assaults white woman in Caroline's. <laughs> <laughs> my mom's is a lit hospital. That sh- you had nice shit, right? You guys had shit like doctors and nurses. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, how nice. <laughs> Brookdale Hospital, we didn't have doctors and nurses. No. I was delivered by a pit bull. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Y'all had shit like blankets. Ooh, you had blankets. Ooh. That pit bull put me in a bacon, egg, and cheese wrapper. Holla at me. <laughs> it broke their hospital. I was voted most likely to not be incarcerated. Holla at me. Broke their hospital. Cost 89. Y'all probably had real dope shit. You know, that sounds like a hospital that might have had incubators. Ooh. <laughs> Possibly. That's in the realm of response. Okay. We didn't have incubators in Brooklyn Hospital. If you wasn't going to make it, they put your ass in a size 14 Timberland boot. <laughs> Get you ready for these New York City streets. Know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. <laughs> That's a great chunk, man. Yeah, man. It's great because, like, I... From Montana, I don't know any of that shit. Yeah, for the most part, uh, I, I know some of the like some of the borough stuff. Yeah, the borough stuff is real. I've actually yeah. added to that recently. Yeah. yeah, the borough stuff is very real. But the rest of it, I didn't know. Still funny. Yeah, that, I right. like how the crux of New York is like fuck any place. Yeah, that wasn't yeah. my own. Yeah, yeah. Like, I feel like there's a thing with native New Yorkers where it's like the 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 demographics of the city have changed so much, and like the politics and like the mm-hmm. money of the city has changed. To be essentially more like all the changes are meant for the indigenous population of New York City. No. Right? So it's yeah. like New Yorkers have, I feel like we've always had like a, a New York pride. It used to just be, it used to just be fuck Boston, fuck Philly. Yeah. And not because every person that you meet in New York City is not from New York City. It's like, yo, fuck <laughs> everywhere. Fuck the world. Dude. Yeah. It's like, so like Moving Reg Thomas has shit. that joke like, yo, we gotta do something about Cleveland. It's like everybody you meet is like <laughs> from some Midwestern city. It's like, yeah, where yeah. you from? Ohio? We got to do something about Ohio. That's you know really what I mean? Funny. So um, that's something that's like really, really true. I've you had know, friends of mine you know come up to me. You know what you could do? I actually know that. what you could do. Maybe stop saying it's the greatest city in the world and people will stop coming here. Yeah. You know what? <laughs> you, might, you might have a point about that. You might have a, you you might cut have a point. Cut the hype a little. Or you could have other people have their cities get their shit together. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> Both uh, things I think could be true. One of those might be a little easier to accomplish. No, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I mean, the other one is the trademark thing, so I don't think that's going anywhere. <laughs> There's a few things going on in this particular room yep. that you don't really get to experience much anywhere else. Exactly. Like this is your people. Yeah. This is your town. Yeah. This is you. You have you, sh- you. You have so much in common with everybody in this room, yep. and they are there to see you. So you like let fucking loose. Like this yeah, is exactly. like, you go hard. It was it was great to and, see. I mean, I also knew that there was a lot of non-native New Yorkers in that room because although like I was headlining and you know like it had been built and pre-sales are great and all that. There were also, it's still just Caroline. So there's people who just buying tickets to the 730 show at Caroline. So like, I was very gun-ho on doing that particular joke in there because I knew the people that I didn't know Mm -hmm. most likely weren't from the city. Mm -hmm. So like, it allowed me to kind of play the room against itself. But like, once again, like I said before, it was like red meat to the base. It was like, all right, I'm a native New Yorker, so I'm going to talk that shit. I know there's hella native New Yorkers in here. We're going to talk that shit together and let y'all know how we feel <laughs> about mm. you. Like, that was really, like, my game plan with that joke. I was, like, crafting yeah. the hour. I told my girlfriend, like, yo, this one is for the homies. Yeah. So if, if you listen to that set, when I say, um, say we, the first time I say we didn't have that at Brookdale Hospitals with the doctors and nurses, four different people were like, no. <laughs> <laughs> like, go back, like, if you yeah. had a chance, like, if you listen to this on recording, yeah, like, go back and listen to it. You hear multiple people go, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying like so, like totally. people like got it, got it. So th- there's a reason why I did that joke at that exact moment. Because after I did all the New York stuff, it was like, okay, now everything's like level playing field. Like I yeah, gave, yeah. I gave people who don't know me a lot about me up front about the wrestling bouncer body, like how I think. I got the people who know me, like know my background. Like, okay, this is for y'all. Yeah. The next 30 minutes is like, okay, now we're a party. Now yeah, yeah. we're together. 
and then I launched into it. I love how much you love your material and yeah. performing. I yeah. think that's really, and I feel like it's it's so healthy for a comic to feel yeah. that way. It's yeah. like you, uh, I I forget who the originator of the quote is, but like you should be doing the comedy that you would want to be watching. The way I look at it is that you should never be reciting your material. Yeah. Unless like you're like really working on like nitty gritty stuff. You should always be performing. Yeah. Like once again, I came from music. So like I'm used to mm-hmm. the professionalism of performance. Yeah, yeah. Like in music, if you're playing a solo, you don't get on stage to perform that solo if you totally. don't know your solo, right? Like yeah. it's always you're putting on a show. Like you're there to entertain people. You're there to do stuff that gets people out of their head about whatever's going on in their uh-huh. life. In that moment, in the past, in the future, it's about this moment. This yeah. is your job. Like, totally. Like so I think sometimes we go up there and think, you know what, I'm working out my personality issues and you guys have to bear the brunt yeah. of it. Well it's like, nah, dude, like uh, people pay to be in here. There's a yeah. job to be done. You it's know? the difference yeah. between Getting laughs and giving them. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I, like, I've done, sh- I had a set. It was pretty decent. It was right before I moved from Pittsburgh back home to New York City. Pretty decent set. I was working on material, but I had like one stock joke like in the middle of it that like totally. always worked. And like, people were laughing, but this is these two brothers, two white boys, but, like two brothers, like, I knew that they looked exactly like. I'm like, yo, these guys are like laughing super hard, but they're laughing different, right? They come up to me after the show, they're like crying, but they like cry laughing. And I'm like, I didn't crush that hard. <laughs> they're like, yo, like our dad is in the hospice across the street. Uh, no, but it was one of those things that's like, yo, like we needed this. Uh, like, you know how many sweet. times people come to comedy shows with like a lot on. Yeah. Like comics, we come to comedy shows with a lot on our heart and our mm-hmm. minds. You don't think civilians do at the same time, too? So like we should be. It's, yeah, we have our personality shit, but in some ways it's providing a service. Like we don't always understand what we're doing for people when we yeah. perform. Once again, when we perform. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I use that word very intensely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not I mail stole in. something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I stole something from watching Harrison yeah. uh, a lot. And then now it's totally a part of what I do. Harrison is really, really good at radiating warmth and joy. Yeah, um, I'd agree. You, right? It's he just says. like he's going to... You're the sweetest boy. He is. He is. <laughs> he is. Uh, so his mom loves him so much. So, so, so she, he's... He, and I, I, what I... The reason I bring that up, and I, I've taken that, because I'm in rooms at Brickspot all the time mm-hmm. with people who are very, very obstinate and very much just like, I don't even want to, I'm not even sure I want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it, and it's really easy, and a lot of people do this, to go in there and then blame the audience for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right? But I found, I watched, I watched Harrison just be like, no, we are going to have a good time. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and I realized that's my job. My job is to be full of joy and yep. transmit that joy and make it so they can't help themselves but tap into that part of themselves that Absolutely. they can't tap Absolutely. into right now because they're being, they're being snots. Yep. But that's okay. I don't expect them to, to walk in and be perfect. Yeah. It's my job as, as, as the host, but this is particularly true with hosting, to come in. And if I need to fix the room, I could be like, let's fucking have a good time. Yeah. Yo, you over there. Come on. Yeah, what's right? it going to take? Absolutely. You know, and, and get that little twinkle in my eye and, get, and, and let them know, I see you. Yeah, I right? see you and we are going to have fun. You know how many times I've seen the one person look super shut off and the second one comic crowd work them, they were down for the rest of the show? Yeah. 
I've seen that a million times. I just did Courtney Randall's weed show last night. There's one guy who was like shut off for most of Courtney. He said, I went first. Five minutes into my set, he was just way too high. He's like sunken to the couch. I <laughs> called him the first white man to ever be in a sunken place because like he looked that fucked up. <laughs> right? So then, yeah. This so I, I'm fucking with him. The but the second place. I finished yeah. fucking with him, he was down for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. But the first 20 minutes, he looked like, you know. He was lost in the twilight zone somewhere. I've been doing something where I talk about like sometimes I don't because I don't get high before I get on yeah. stage, but I pretend that I. I mean, yeah, I have well, before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, I'll be like, when I get high, like it's like like I really need the audience to like be like be okay with me because mm-hmm. I might freak out. And then I just point, <laughs> and then I just point to people in the crowd and tell them how I'd be reacting to their face. Yeah. Be like. Sir, your face would be a fucking nightmare. Yeah. You are. Everything <laughs> 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 to do up front. Dude. Yeah, I love it. Like, yeah, funny. Yeah. Like, pop, just pop, if you could just pop a smile on that. Would yeah, be, yeah, just stuff like that. I really enjoy enjoying performing. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's a like I said, it's oh, a it's release for me too. Yeah, yeah. I have my yeah. own shit. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I have to have a good time. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like. If anybody watches any of the material from my Caroline study, just hearing it, like, yeah. I'm having a great fucking totally. time. Yeah, am I doing my job? Yes. Is there a lot of pressure on me? Yes. It's the first time my mother saw me too. Is it? Is yeah. it? There was industry in the room too. Uh-huh. But you gotta have fucking fun, man. Yeah. And we get so caught up in like, what I am I getting all late night? What am I getting this? That, Are you having fun on a regular basis? Let's start with that. That's I, why you started. I just heard this. It was never let anyone or anything steal the joy Yo. that you have doing your doing your job up there they're like yeah. like don't let anything get in the way of you having fun on stage yeah yeah because that's I, why you're doing it right. my yeah. best life yeah yeah Dave Chappelle like performed an hour on his birthday at his birthday party and there was no stage. And I was just like, I would love that to be my level where I've been doing it. What has he been doing it? 20 years? Yeah, at 25? least at this point. Yeah. And it's just like, you're still want to do an hour on your 30. birthday. It's 30. He's in his forties. He started when he was 16. Yeah, 16. Yeah. Yeah. So he's yeah. like, he's in his 25 years. I thought he was 40. In his, no, he's like 46. He's in his 40s. 46. Mm-hmm. 30 years. You forgot how much time he took off. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> Come on. Let's talk about sex. A huge thanks to oh. Norlex Yo, and Belma. Thank, thank you so much for having me. Like, you're both friends of mine. I became a friend of the podcast just because like I saw other comics that I know and respect on it. So like to like add my name to the to the charter. Oh, I'm excited yeah. to so have you, man. Yeah, this I, I love what great. you guys are doing here. I think oh, I think it's a real like, it, we need to have a little like more deep dive comedy things that are hosted by comedians and not by vultures. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Hannigan. Shout to yeah, yeah, shout to my two friends who write for Vulture, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk uh, guest plugs. What are yeah. our guests' plugs? Tour dates. Um, tour dates. I will be in Atlanta the last weekend of September. Uh, what is what are those dates? Uh, shit, I should know those. But I'm at the Red Clay Festival. So I'm what off. website could they go to? Uh, they can go to my website, norlexbelma.com, N-O-R-L-E-X. And all your tour dates are there? B-E-L-M-A.com. All my tour dates are there. Uh, dope things coming up. Uh, I'm headlining the CT Theater um, in Hartford, Connecticut, the day before Thanksgiving. That's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, then I'm going back up to the New England area. I'll be in Vermont and Maine in December. I'll be at Woolen Mills, hopefully. Um, in Vermont, and then going over to Maine once again, and then back in Manchester, New Hampshire, at Saskeen, uh, mid December as well. In so. December, and then uh, yeah, there's a documentary, right? Before I moved, I started in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh very important to me comedically and like life wise. Um, before I moved, I was like honored enough to be a part of a documentary about the growth of comedy in Pittsburgh. 
um, and they focus on you know stand up, sketch, and all that. And I was a stand up comedian that they chose. Comedy Confluence. Uh, so it's called the Comedy Confluence, and I have like a nice little feature in there. It talks about kind of like my process and like why I started. You can check that out on YouTube, and the full documentary is on the PBS website. Cool. And then lastly, you have some iHeartRadio stuff, right? Yeah. uh, One of my favorite places to be is at the iHeart studio of WDVE. Um, WDVE is the morning drive time show in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I kind of like, you know, cut my teeth, like made my bones like with those guys. Um, So a lot of my appearances with them are on uh, the internet, on YouTube, and on iHeart. If you just look up WDVE Morning Show with Randy Bauman, B-A-U-M-A-N-N, I believe. Um, and there's a bunch of clips of me, you know, in studio with those guys. Cool. And then you can also follow Norlex. You can go to his website, as he said, NorlexBelma.com, or go to Twitter. That's Norlex said. That's mm-hmm. the handle for that. Same it's with- also the one for Instagram. Yep. And then do you do, do, you do Facebook? Yeah, stuff? my Facebook is just my first and last name. Yeah, Norlex.Belma. Norlex. Uh, I will say, though, to be a little bougie, I'm at like 4,975. Get in there now. You, you better see get me? It I, I, I have to cut people just to make new people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and yeah, I feel like I was a 53-man roster in football. Hey, some of y'all ain't going to make it, dog. You got to go. <laughs> you could do the thing that... Uh, who does this? Um, I can't remember. Ari Shafir does this. He does a birthday thing. When he gets a birthday reminder, yeah. he's like, do I know this person or not? And he cuts oh, them. Uh, I, I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> That's a great yep. I have a bunch of people from like music camps and like, you know, just high school friends of friends and like college people that I haven't spoken to that they need to go. It's like, you know, yeah. like, what's yeah. that movie? I got to purge them. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. Um, great. And it's a wonderful gift for someone's birthday. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, and our plugs. So I think the biggest thing to plug really is brick spot comedy. Mm-hmm. It is finally, we're launching, come on down. It's at uh, the V Spot Organic. It's a wonderful Latin vegan restaurant. The food's actually really, really good. It's phenomenal. It's really good. It is. Thank you so much, of course, to Alex Caravano and his brother uh, Dan. Danny, who is great. And and they have. There's they other people Facebook involved as well. But they have allowed us to come in there and transform that space. And we have shows. Five to six nights a week. You can see everything on our website at brickspotcomedy.com. And thanks to everybody who has participated and is contributing to it and all the comedians that have been on there. It's been, I love that room. You guys are doing a great job with that thanks, room. Man. Thanks, man. It's so much great. fun. Really so that. great. Also, huge thanks to our Patreon donors. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Yeah. It is so cool. Uh, if, you, if you're feeling grateful, and I hope you are, please head on over to patreon.com. And if you want to throw us some money on a monthly basis, you can do that. It's just patreon.com forward slash let's talk about sets. Or, we also are on Venmo. Yep. Just send we are on Venmo. Directly. Yep. You can just send it. <laughs> yeah. uh, that's at Jeff Dash McBride. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not sketch at yeah, all. I'm well, you know what it is? People don't want to sign up for a whole mo- for like monthly thing they well, just yeah, wanted to be Janelle like hey James thanks shit. this is nice yeah, okay. Venmo me ten dollars yeah. or, that. That or you can if you want it to feel a little more official you can send it to Jeff at let's talk about sets.com via PayPal as just a thank you you can yeah. do it that way yeah, too so no. there's a variety of ways you can throw us money to help us keep the show running and to support and whatever and there are actually rewards for that uh, if you don't know if you 
pledge $10 a month and you keep keep at it for a bit, then we'll let you submit a bit and Harris and I will play it and talk about Fuck it. Yeah, yeah. And if you do a, a slightly larger amount, there's there's a little bit more for you, but head on over to patreon.com. We're talking blowjobs. Uh, yeah. Come into the studio. Yeah. <laughs> we'll roofie Harrison and you get yeah. to go to town. <laughs> and if you want to find out more about our guests, please head to Let's Talk About Sets.com. Check out the show notes. We have all sorts of links on there. And we have more episodes organized by themes and the comedians that we discuss. You can get our episodes automatically every other week by subscribing to the podcast. Do it right now on Apple Podcasts or however else you get your fix. And special thanks to Bernie Mac. Oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. And uh, to. He's, he's- one of the goats, bro. Yep, and and of course to Norlex for letting us play your material. Ah, gracias. No, thank you guys. I appreciate you. You know, helping me get it out there, man. And la- and of course, salt and, salt and pepper. We thank you so much for letting we us really... so wildly mutate your song past it. any recognition. Sets. <laughs> Sets. Sets. I caught that the very first time I heard. It. I was like, you guys ain't slick, bro. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks a lot. All right. Guys. Let's talk about sets. Let's talk about sets.